Welcome to Uprooted, a podcast from IATP, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Johan Cabert. Each episode of Uprooted follows a story that connects the dots of agriculture and trade. What might seem obscure and technical on the surface actually impacts every aspect of our daily lives. We want to unearth the fascinating hidden stories that trace their roots back to policy. If you like what you hear, check out the IATP website for more on recent events, webinars, papers, and policy. To start out, Uprooted is exploring the most seminal trade deal in U.S. history. You might have heard of it. Not only did I oppose NAFTA, I stood on picket lines with workers in opposition to this disastrous trade agreement. Instead of creating jobs, NAFTA cost us jobs, 850,000 jobs. That was Senator Bernie Sanders speaking about his opposition to NAFTA in March of 2016. NAFTA has been around for 23 years. How has it changed the U.S., impacted people's lives? And what might renegotiation mean for the future? In the first couple episodes of Uprooted, we'll explore what NAFTA is, how it came about, and why it's been in the news so much recently. IATP specializes in policy, and Uprooted makes it personal. We'll give you the stories and show you how policy decisions impact everyday lives. We'll cover more on NAFTA in future episodes, but today... We're going back to basics. You're listening to Uprooted from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. In order to understand NAFTA, it's important to build a foundation. Trade can often seem complex, but it's actually pretty straightforward. So at the basic level, trade is anytime you know, goods or services are exchanged. I went to visit Josh. Hi, my name is Josh Wise. I'm the Director of Development and Communication at the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Prior to IATP, Josh was the Executive Director of the Fair Trade Coalition of Minnesota. He's a bona fide trade geek, like most people at IATP. Thankfully, that's a huge asset. He assured me that trade is actually incredibly simple. Anything that can be exchanged between two entities basically counts as trade. The point is that, you know, trade can happen between two people, it can happen between two companies, it can happen between two states, between a company and a state. It's a pretty broad definition. When you get to discussing trade, it can be so huge that it's hard to narrow it down to something specific. Like global warming, Trade can appear to be this giant mass of interactions and human forces. Most things have to do with trade, from piggy banks all the way up to huge ocean vessels in the Panama Canal. Trade has been around since before biblical times, and I personally remember trading Halloween candy as a kid with my sister. Trade is inherent in every aspect of our lives, even strategies for getting the most Kit Kats. One step further is trade policy, essentially when governments regulate and organize how trade functions, which is hugely important. 
and has a stake in all sorts of global and local interactions all over the world, according to Josh. When people think about trade policy, they think about country to country and, um, you know, international trade. Trade policy wasn't always so indispensable, however. Before the Industrial Revolution and globalization, there were more established regional differences. Variation meant that unique products were created that couldn't be replicated anywhere else. The world wasn't connected by instantaneous communication or international corporations. Even 50 years ago, the same products and chains weren't available all around the globe. Trade used to be based on established regional differences. For example, trade in spices and silk was a rare luxury for royalty, not an everyday thing. Josh elaborated on the regional nature of trade. It was connected to the land. The resources and wealth people had was easily accessible. You couldn't necessarily pick up and move your land from Great Britain to France, uh, so you would have to invest in something domestically uh, to be more competitive. Imagine an English dairy farmer. We'll call him Gregory. He lives in the 16th century. Gregory didn't have the options CEOs do today. He didn't have a field office in Normandy sending him emails about the lush grass on the French coast. No regional office could tell him how cheap it was to hire Gaulish peasants. None of the Brits had to worry about their jobs being shipped overseas. What we call offshoring didn't exist then. When Trump says, make America great again, perhaps he's referring to the era Gregory was part of. In any case, all of that changed, and so did trade. Modernization brought new opportunities and new conflicts. The purpose of trade policy is to help settle those issues. The situation today is much different. Multinational corporations have huge amounts of global wealth. Their capital is mobile. They can invest in farms wherever labor and production is cheap. Today, Trump talks about jobs leaving to go to Mexico and China. Before globalization and free markets, that wasn't a problem and wasn't even a factor of trade. An Italian duke wouldn't keep living in his castle and send his grain to get threshed in China because it was cheaper there. That was unheard of, a patently ridiculous idea. Because of this modern capacity to transfer jobs and wealth so easily, trade policy is necessary, and it's had to evolve. So after World War II, um, there was a real desire to use trade policy to create a more stable Europe and to you know, reinvest in Europe and help build European economies, which had been pretty devastated by the war. And that led to the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, um, which was you know, essentially a f the framework for the, what is now the World Trade Organization. That desire led to the creation of the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade and, eventually, the World Trade Organization. Along with it came other international bodies meant to help improve economies through defined pacts. There are a lot of good reasons to do so. It was basically a way of uh, encouraging peace. There is a notion that's not wholly inaccurate that it, countries who are doing business with each other are unlikely to fight each other because they don't want to interrupt trade flows. When people stand to lose a lot of money from war, they will be opposed to war. Trade is oftentimes a force for good, though. It's not to say that there's no 
benefits to trade. Trade historically has lifted people out of poverty. It has created prosperity around the world. It has led to technical, technological innovation as people are sharing cultures and sharing ideas and sharing uh, techniques and practices, etc. Um, you know, it's 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 overall it's a good thing for the you know. Uh, human existence i guess um you know what matters is is how it's done whether it up you know lifts people up whether trade lifts people up or whether it suppresses people despite the benefits though trade policy can have terrible effects so the way to think about like good trade policy versus bad trade policy is to take the international aspect out of it for a minute and say, you know, every good and product uh, sold within our country is governed by a set of laws and rules and regulations that make sure it's, you know, that there's not lead in our drinking water, that child labor is not being ex- exploited, that, you know, you're not contaminating drinking water, for example. Um, and so every, you know, every good product that's on shelves in supermarkets or you buy online or whatever is governed by those laws. There are also a set of laws that govern what's bought and sold in every other country in the world. And the purpose of a trade agreement is to bring those laws into alignment so that goods can flow across the borders freely and more commerce can happen. Now you can do one of two things when you do that. You can either agree to the highest standard for safety, for environmental protection, etc. Or you can try to agree to the lowest standard. Now of course because corporations dominate the trade negotiating process, um, they're trying to get as much for themselves as possible. And the way that they do that is they negotiate the standards downwards. So what we've seen in past trade agreements is uh, a weakening of regulations for public safety and the public good. From simple trade, we move to trade policy, which gets locked into place under trade agreements. Over time, those agreements have also gone way beyond trade and goods to cover services, medicine, patents, and a whole range of issues about how we govern our economies. Naturally, that has generated huge pushback around the world. All of that leads us to the real meat of the issue, the contemporary crux of the problem. NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. More on that next time on Uprooted. Pulling out the weeds on NAFTA. Uprooted is produced, written, and edited by Colleen Borgendale and Johan Cavert. Editing by Josh Wise, Karen Hansen-Kuhn, and Lacey Carlson. With help from the rest of the IATP staff. Website and graphic design by Colleen Borgendale. Special thanks this episode to Josh Wise. Our theme music is edited from And Blessings by the Orchestral Movement of 1932 under Creative Commons License BYSA 2.5. Other music used in the episode is listed on our website. For more information, go to the IATP website, www.iatp.org, follow us on Facebook, or email us at uprootedpodcast at iatp.org. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and we'd love it if you subscribed or took a minute to give us a review. We're a new podcast, and we want to hear from you. Thanks for listening.